Hey, so great to see you guys. Thanks for coming out for the third and final night of The Anchored Man. Happy Super Bowl week. I just want to take a quick poll here, okay? So how many of you are picking the Rams? Okay. How many of you are picking the evil empire? <laughs> How many of you could care less? <laughs> You're just waiting for March 28th, opening day of baseball season. That's me right there. Well, <clears throat> if you brought your Bible, open to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I want to do a quick review real quickly. So the first night we were talking about being anchored in Jesus, and we were uh, in John chapter 15 and talking about the importance of being anchored in the true vine, the risen, resurrected Christ. The second week, we were talking about the importance of being anchored in the word, anchored in the scriptures. So us being deep in the scriptures and the scriptures being deep in us. And so tonight, I want to take a few minutes and talk to you about the importance of being anchored in community, anchored in the body of Christ. Now, uh, one of the things that I'm uh, interested in, I like to follow, is mountaineering. I like to, f to follow along some of the expeditions that they go to the, the scale of the big 8,000-meter Himalayan peaks. And so I love to just read along as they're blogging and posting pictures. And my own mountaineering experience is very limited. Uh, my wife is not a fan of that, believe me. But I like to follow along. And so one of the things that I've learned about mountaineering, just from following along other expeditions, is that when a group of, uh, of climbers have to navigate a dangerous part of the mountain, what they do is they'll actually tether themselves to one another. And the reason why is because so often on these big mountains, there's these crevasses. And a lot of times, if it snows a lot, snow will, will actually hide these crevasses. So when you look out, it just looks like there's nothing but snow. But as you're walking along, all of a sudden, the snow can collapse, and you can be in a free fall into the middle of the belly of the earth. I mean, it, that would be a bad way to die. These crevasses are deep, and they're nasty, and they're dark. And so for a lot of them, it, it is bad, bad news. And so because there's that inherent danger in trying to navigate this, they, they tether up to one another. And uh, the reason why is it's pretty obvious. If somebody steps on one of these hidden crevasses and starts to fall, they're anchored to the other guys. And so right away, the other men will take their ice axe and self-arrest. They will anchor into the snow, and then that will cause, that will form a human anchor. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, that's a pretty good way to do life. Where we're not going at it alone. We're not going at it uh, solo, but we allow ourselves in wisdom to be tethered to the right guys. Where if we slip, if we stumble, we're anchored. 
Another picture of this is with, with rock climbing. There's a, a, a type of rock climbing where you're anchored to the wall, you're anchored to the rock, but you're also, as an extra layer of safety, you're anchored to a fellow climber. And I like this picture as well. In fact, just last summer, two very experienced climbers in Yosemite, they were, they were tethered to one another, but they weren't anchored to the rock. And so one of them slipped and fell and pulled the, the other one right off the, the wall and they fell a thousand feet and died. But they were tethered. This is a picture of two men being tethered together, but they weren't anchored to the rock. And that's a picture for Christian life, right? If we're, we can be tethered to one another, but if we're not anchored to the rock, the solid rock, and we know who that is, we're in danger. So wisdom for us as men is to be anchored to the rock, anchored to the solid rock, and also anchored and tethered to other people. And as we do that, as we cultivate a life when we're anchored to Christ and anchored to the body, that's, again, that's, that's wisdom. And so what I want to do tonight, I want to talk about uh, how we can take some really practical steps that if we do these things and we commit to these things, we'll look up and we'll find ourselves more anchored to other people than we are right now. And so the text I want to go to tonight is in Mark chapter 14. Mark 14, and there's 10 verses in here that I want us to read together. Uh, Mark 14, verse 32 to 42. And the reason I want to look at this passage is because from this passage, uh, we're allowed uh, a really, really interesting look into how Jesus approached relationships, how he approached friendships. And so instead of me standing up here and uh, trying to read 10 verses to you and fighting with the food that's causing you to be sleepy, what I want you to do is take about two minutes at your table and just with, as a group, read those 10 verses. We, we should have a passage on each table if you don't have your Bible. But I'm going to give you about two minutes uh, just take turns, maybe you each take a paragraph, but read together Mark 14, verses 32 to 42, and then we'll talk about it.
Okay, I'm going to give you about 10 more seconds. Are you finished? Have you read it? I don't want to cut you off. We good to go? Okay, so from that passage in Mark 14, there are three things that Jesus modeled for us, again, that we can put into practice that will absolutely help us be more anchored. All right, so here's the first one. That passage shows us how intentional Jesus was about developing deep friendships, this, this is such an interesting picture of the dynamics of what are, what's happening in this story, all right? Because Jesus is with the disciples. Now, Judas had already left, so there's 11. We're, we can only imagine there's 11 there with him. And he says to eight of them, you stay right here. Stay put. Peter, James, and John, you three, come with me. Now, that would have been a little awkward, right, if you were one of the eight? Like, hey, what, what's up with that? We want to go. But he tells them to stay. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. And then he tells Peter, James, and John to stay, and he goes by himself. So think about it in terms of these circles that are getting smaller and smaller. When you, when you think about the way Jesus approached people in ministry, of course he loved the crowd. Of course he loved everybody. He ministered tirelessly to the crowds. But then he had the 70, 72 who he anointed and he sent out. And then he had the 12. And then he had the three. But then he had the one. His closest, most intimate relationship was with who? The Father. Isn't that a great picture for how to be, how to think about relationships in life? We're all surrounded by people, coworkers and acquaintances, and, and, and we all have them. But then there's a, a closer group, people you trust a little bit more. And then there should be, I think, based on Jesus' model, an even smaller group, people you trust even more. And then at the heart of your, your relationships, the closest, most intimate relationship should be with the Father. But when I think about this as well, I think about just the time that it takes and the commitment that it takes to cultivate deeper friendships it, it's hard work. It takes a lot of time. And as I look out here, I, I see men who you've got a lot of responsibilities, right? You've got family and you've got work and you've got all this responsibility. You, you're not lacking things to do. But what happens for us is we allow busyness to cause us to begin to kind of drift and become less and less intentional with the people that we go deep with. And so think about it in your life. Who, who are the people, the Peter, James, and John, that you trust more than others? Would you say you have those people in your life? Those people who can see below the iceberg, below the waterline, and they have a better picture of what's really going on deeper within you. And if you would honestly say, well, I've I got a lot of buddies, 
got a lot of people that I know and work with, but wow, I think, I think I've got some work to do in this area of really having a few people who, who know me at a deep, deep level. This is not meant to condemn you or shame you. This is just meant for, to, to be a challenge because I believe this is what God has for all of us. I believe this is exactly what God wants for every man. He wants every man to have, you know, a small group of guys that, that you're truly doing life with. They know you, and you know them, and you're anchored to these guys. So consider this question. This might be even a litmus test for you. In this season of your life, what is the biggest struggle you're experiencing? What's the biggest struggle, and who knows it? Who would be able to answer that question for you and say, you know what, I know you so well that this is the biggest struggle you're facing. And I'm not talking about like a generic, well, work is hard, it's a struggle to balance everything. I'm talking about more personal than that. I'm talking about deeper than that. So, so think about that. What is the biggest struggle that you're facing and, and who knows it? And if you're saying, well, I don't know that anybody really knows it, the, the danger with that is you're not very anchored. All right, so that leads me to the second point about Jesus, the second thing that Jesus models for us in this passage. Jesus allowed his closest friends to see him struggle. We're talking about the Savior of the world, the one who uh, created all things. God himself in the flesh, allowing other people, close friends, allowing them the opportunity to see him in such a personal moment of struggle. I mean, let's look at this. Look at what he says. All right, so verse 33 he, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled in their presence. He wasn't hiding. He wasn't trying to put the, the strong face on. He, wasn't, he didn't have these walls up where he was guarded. No, I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored, guys. No, he was so honest in the company of these men. He was distressed and troubled. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Jesus didn't want to face this moment alone. Some of his darkest moments, when the, his personal struggle was at a, the, the climax, he wanted Peter, James, and John to be with him. He, he wanted Peter, James, and John to, to, to keep watch. Now, when I think about that, one of the things that's really clear to me is that in order to be truly anchored to other people, to community, vulnerability is required. It just is. There's no other way to do it. To be truly anchored, you've got to be vulnerable in friendships. Now, I am a huge advocate for 
men and things that men are doing well and the gift that men are to society, the gift that godly masculinity is to churches and to families. I could stand up here and give you a long list of things that men are doing right and doing well. But there's one thing that I would say, especially uh, for Christian men, that, that we're not doing well. And it's allowing other people to see our struggle. Another way to put it is, as men, we struggle allowing other people to see us struggle. And it's far too easy, and I know this. I know this from my own life. It's far too easy to just let that wall be up and to not allow other people to see beyond it and to see the areas where we are struggling. All right, consider this. In relationships, the honesty and vulnerability, that forms the connection. So this picture that I started with of being tethered to another man, in order for that to be a reality, right, we got to ask, well, what, what does that look like? What is that tether? What is that rope that would connect us? Well, a, a, a big part of it is honesty and vulnerability. Because when two guys, two friends are honest and vulnerable and they'll let the other person see into their life, right, there's a trust that begins to form. And that trust is the connection. That trust is the anchor. And if you don't have the trust, right, there's not going to be the vulnerability and there's not going to be the connection. There's not going to be the anchor. There's not going to be that tether. Think about what C.S. Lewis said. Have you heard the C.S. Lewis quote on friendship? I like this quote. C.S. Lewis wrote, Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. And that can't happen without that vulnerability, can it? Somebody's got to have the guts in a friendship, in a relationship, in a small group. Somebody's got to have the gusto to say, hey, guys, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to let you see an area of my life I'm struggling. And so often what a guy will find is there will be others that say, really? Oh, what a relief. I thought I was the only one. Thank God I'm not the only one. And one more comment here on this idea of struggle that I think is so important is, isn't it true that as men, we can easily view struggle as weakness? I mean, there's a reason why we keep the walls up, right? That's not a mystery. We, we don't want to be viewed as weak, we don't want to be rejected. We don't want people to be like, oh, man, he's jacked up. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why those walls are so secure. It's because from a young age, most of us have learned, even subconsciously, that weakness is synonymous with struggle. And so we're strategic about how we hide our struggle so we can appear to be strong. But that's not an accurate definition of weakness. Weakness is not struggle. In fact, oftentimes, God himself 
The perfect father is the one who ushers us into seasons of struggle. And the reason he does is because he's after something in us. He's after growth. He's after sanctification. He is after something in us. And oftentimes it's the struggle that will allow that to come to the surface. And so he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't say, good luck, figure out this struggle. He says, I'm going to walk with you step for step for step. But this struggle is going to make you a better man. John Eldridge writes about this. I like how the, the phrase he uses. He calls it the gift of struggle. It's the gift from a gracious father. It doesn't seem gracious at the time, does it? But it's the gift of a gracious father to lead us into seasons of struggle because that's where the growth happens. That's where that fire, that purifying fire is. I think about a, a couple of weeks ago, I took my nine-year-old daughter uh, up the incline. So I invited her. I said, hey, she had never done it before, so she really didn't know what she was getting into. And I said, hey, Avery, I think you would do great on the incline. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard, but you're going to be a champion. You're going to do great. And she said, uh, can we go eat afterwards? Sure. Okay, Dad, I'm in. So we drive down to the incline, and about a quarter of the way up, she's, she's looking up, and she gave me this look like, seriously, Dad? And we kept going, and we kept going, and we kept going, and believe me, she was struggling. And believe me, I was struggling even more. I'll admit it. But along the way, I was encouraging her and encouraging her, and she was struggling, but it was a good kind of struggle. And we got to the top, and oh, I gave her the biggest bear hug, and we just celebrated the accomplishment. But it was me as her father leading her into some struggle that didn't feel good at the time, but I, I knew afterwards she would be so glad that she went through it. And so for some of you, you might be in a season right now that you're just cussing this season and you can't stand it and you are begging God to let it just ease up a little bit. And perhaps God is saying, I am right with you in this struggle. I refuse to leave you alone in this place of struggle. He's, he leans into us in those, those times of struggle. But struggle doesn't mean weakness at all. So may we be men who, who more and more have the guts to be honest about areas where we are struggling. All right? The other side of that coin that I want to highlight just real quickly because I think it's important. So if one side of the coin is honesty and vulnerability is really, really important to have genuine friendships and to be anchored. The other side of that coin is it requires wisdom and discernment, doesn't it? Because you don't want to be uh, honest and authentic with just anybody. I mean, that's exactly what we see with Jesus in this passage. He takes Peter, James, and John. The rest stay there. I mean, he is, he is being uh, discerning. We don't exactly know why he just chose those three. But I think there's a lot of wisdom in that idea. It's, Jesus is not saying, okay, walk around, guys, and in the name of honesty and vulnerability, just begin to vomit all over everybody. 
that's a good recipe to develop some friendships. <laughs> You'll have a lot of guys ducking out of the way. The vomit. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, I'm smiling now. I was not smiling at the time. My five-year-old son was walking through the kitchen. He wasn't even sick. So I don't know how this happened. But out of the blue, Owen just vomits all over. And my wife and I were so surprised that our initial reaction was to duck and cover. I mean, you would have thought somebody threw a live grenade in the middle of our kitchen and we were just diving for our lives. It was, it was a wild scene. And then once we kind of regained our footing and realized what was happening, well, then we helped him. Or she helped she helped him. I said we helped and the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me. <laughs> I can't do it. She helped him. But it was, that, it was that scene of just this unexpected throw up coming. And the response was, we got to get out of here. And how, how often does that happen though? If a man doesn't have wisdom and doesn't have discernment and is not going to trusted friends, but it's just, whoa, there's that response where the eyes get big and you're looking for the exit. You're like, hey, when does the small group end? And so it requires wisdom and discernment. And, and quite honestly, not everybody can handle your struggle. They can't. And they weren't meant to carry it. But I guarantee God is a faithful God and he will bring the right people to help you carry whatever struggle it is, just like he's done to me. He's faithful. He does not ask us to carry our own struggle alone. God will be faithful to bring the right men, trusted men, that you can, that you can be wise and discerning and be honest with and practice honesty with. He will. So here's the third point real quickly. The third thing that Jesus modeled here is Jesus persevered in his friendships. He persevered. In order for us to really be anchored, we have to persevere because we're going to be disappointed by guys. We're going to be even offended. There are going to be times when we feel let down and betrayed, and it is all too easy to just begin to lean away from friends and say, forget that. That's too hard. That's too messy. But even in this passage, we see Jesus continuing to go back to the same people who are letting him down. He's asking them, guys, stay here and keep watch. And what do they do? They fall asleep. So Jesus comes back. Let's look at this together, uh, verse 39 and 40. This is, I think this is quite interesting. Once more, Jesus went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So this is the second time that he found them sleeping. Now look at this next phrase. They did not know what to say to him. Can you imagine the look on their face in that moment? They look at him. I mean, every parent knows this look from your kids. When you catch them red-handed and all they can do is just look at you because they don't know what to say. The disciples were caught red-handed and they were dumbfounded, and they just looked at him because they didn't know what to say. But Jesus 
continued to be faithful to these people. I mean, this really was just the beginning. Fast forward a couple hours, Peter denies them, they scatter. And what does he do? Does he say, I got to find some new friends? (laughs) I got to change churches. No, this is what we see, and I'll close with this. One of my favorite scenes in all of the Bible, in John chapter 21, this is what we see Jesus doing. This is how he responds. John chapter 21, the disciples are out fishing. Early in the morning, Jesus shows up on the shore, and he's got a campfire. He's got food cooking. And he calls out, friends! Come on, come here. The same people that betrayed him, he's calling to him, come here, come here. That's who Jesus is. He doesn't give up on me when I let him down. He doesn't give up on you when you let him down. And he asks us not to give up on people and friends when they disappoint us and let us down. In the same way that he leaned in and persevered, he calls us to do the same thing. And in order for us to really be anchored and cultivate deep friendships, that's what has to happen. But as we do that, as we lean into people even when we're disappointed, when we're quick to forgive, when we're quick to offer the benefit of the doubt, and we do it day after day and month after month and year after year, we're going to look up and we're going to realize, wow, I'm, I'm anchored. I'm anchored with a group of men who know me, who love me, and I love them. And this is rich. This, we had a fire team leader that led a group for a couple years and he just moved to California. And the last thing he said to me, his, his parting statement was, brotherhood. It's so ugly, but man, is it sweet. I thought, that's pretty accurate. It's not pretty. It's not a clean process, but man, is it sweet when it happens to do life with men who respect you and who you respect, who are with you in the, in the journey. That's where it's at. You bow your heads and let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the way that you have created us for friendship. You have designed us to be men who are anchored in the body of Christ with other men. And God, we recognize we cannot become the men that you've called us to be without the influence of other godly men. So let it be. Let every man in here in this season experience deeper community, deeper friendships, deeper brotherhood. Thank you that you're involved in this process, that we don't have to figure this out alone, but you're guiding us to the right place and the right people. Give us the courage just to engage in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen.